and the winner of the 2019 Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program will be announced about a week after this episode comes out. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and awards for animation and storytelling. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are discussing the animated shows that were nominated for the Primetime Emmys. It's true. It's our first time discussing the Emmys. I mean, like, as a topic. As a topic, as a thing, like every year, you may, long listeners and newer listeners who have gone through our back catalog, especially from Australia, um, have heard us talk about the Oscar-nominated animated shorts. So we've done that, and it just, you know, season five of our show, we're like, you know, we should we should look at the Emmy-nominated things because that's TV. Yeah, we talk about TV a lot more. We just never talked about, like, what won awards in TV. (laughs) It just so happened that some of the things that we enjoyed were some of those things that ended up winning. So... What do you know? We make good predictions. I don't don't know about that, but we, uh, we, (laughs) we see quality. We see quality. I don't see quality. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, anyway, let's let's talk about the Emmys in general, this, especially like the Emmys for animation in general. Yeah, I I felt like I went down an Emmy hole um, on the internet because <laughs> I was like, what what has won awards in the past for animation with the Emmys? And they've, they've gone all over the place. Um, hmm. So we will not be discussing the individual achievement in animation, which always seems to be good choices, but I think it's more juried and is just, it's like, congratulations, you did good stuff and we've been ignoring your work. Here's an Emmy. Um, <laughs> which, great, good for them. I'm glad they're finding a way to honor those folks. Um, we also uh, will not be discussing the Emmy for Outstanding Children's Program, um, but I'm going to get into that. Uh, mostly that's live action, but has lately had some animation in it. Um, the Emmys have been going for 70 something years? Question mark? 70 years? 70? 70? Maybe? I'm going to Google The that. Emmys themselves have been yeah, going on? Yeah, not, not this particular award category. Oh, yes, yes. I was like, I don't think that math works out. Yeah, no. Yeah, they've been going since uh, the 40s, I think. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. There's your answer, Fishbulb. Um, <laughs> this official <laughs> animation category has been going since 1979, uh, sometimes divided between like longer run things like more than an hour and shorter, like less than an hour programming. Um, and it was dominated for a long time by Garfield specials. <laughs> hmm. So someone thought the Garfield specials deserved a lot of Emmys. I'm not saying they don't. I've seen a lot of them. They probably don't. Um, Wow. My dad loves Garfield. Loves Garfield. I've seen a lot 
of Garfield things and read a lot of Garfield that many people have not. I think my son is reading one of the Garfields for a bedtime story right now. So it's it's a good introduction to like uh, an outline of what humor could be if you don't try very hard. Wow. Um, okay, let's let's <laughs> let's talk about Emmy. Let's keep going about Emmy. So, with Garfield and other family-oriented things, um, that was kind of the animated program for a while. Then it became like all about holiday specials for a while, and then the '90s mm-hmm. with The Simpsons, it started to get more adult animation-oriented. And in the 2010s and through today, it's pretty much exclusively adult-oriented animation that appears in this category. Which is really Mm. interesting. Which is why I think um, these are about individual episodes, but shows like Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Resistance, Carbon San Diego, in the last few years are starting to show up in Outstanding Children's Program as an award for the show overall. Because maybe one individual episode can't get a lot of voters behind it to compete in this animated program category. Um, But they seem to compete fine in uh, children's programming. But this, the Emmys definitely put to rest the idea that animation is for children, which we've never put forth, of course. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so. It feels like a lot of people um, might not watch the Emmys and don't know that. <laughs> yes. But it's, it is interesting how much animation has grown. I mean, we can barely keep up with all the new things that are coming out and um, all all the things that are still ongoing. So the things that we enjoy and try to keep up with, you know, I've lost the threads of so many shows that I enjoy because something new comes out and it's just hard to watch absolutely everything that you want to watch. Yeah. I try to have a high bar now. Like, do I just want to watch the next episode or do I want to know what happens? Right. Like how important is this to me? And what is this experience? overall experience like for me so like my whole family is getting into different things and but it's like if it's me time if i'm sitting down and it's just for me and i'm not listening i'm not watching this something specifically for this podcast what do i sit down and watch you know what am i catching up on like it's not homework what am i watching Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's really interesting but that being said uh, there were one, two, three, four, five nomination nominees for this category. And we're not going to give big old plot summaries of everything. You can find those for these episodes. Maybe you've already seen these episodes. I think before this, I'd seen two of them. I think um, I'd before seen record. three before this. I thought I'd watch Adventure Time, but maybe I didn't see... The entire nominated Adventure Time segment. I was reading the plot summary. Like, I I don't think this is as familiar as I thought it was. So we won't be going into plot so much. We won't talk necessarily about, hey, this is exactly what happened in the episode. But we're going to talk about things that worked um, and reasons why they might have gotten nominated. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, I would say if you wanted to take a couple nights and work your way through these. I think it's well worth it. There's some really good stuff in here. It's a good, if limited example of what is working and worth honoring in animation today. Very nicely said. Thank you. 
So we have, um, we'll just say the list and then we'll go through them. Um, I don't know if we want to do it alphabetically or just in this random order that we have them in. Um, but so we have Big Mouth, the show, uh, season two, episode five. The episode title is The Planned Parenthood Show. We have Bob's Burgers, season nine, episode one, just one of the boys for now, for now. And then uh, Bojack Horseman, season five, episode six, Free Churro. Uh, Adventure Time, season 10, episodes 13 through 16, Come Along With Me is the name of the... Uh, the miniseries, and then The Simpsons, season 30, episode 11, Mad About the Toy. Simpsons, always on there. Yes, <laughs> they are. So <laughs> yes, where, do are. We, where do we start? I feel like we should not show any sense of who we think might come away with the award until the very end. We could leave predictions to the end. So these in, should we just roll? Should we roll dice? I, I'm fine with our random order. I like uh, okay. the random order we have them in. Okay. So the order we just listed them is our nice random order that we had put. The, I don't even know what order it was that they got in here. I don't know. So starting with Big Mouth, the Planned Parenthood show, um, which is available on Netflix if you are a subscriber to Netflix. Um, I think I watched an episode of Big Mouth last year when we talked about new shows last year. Yes. And then I never watched anymore until now. Hmm. Um, which is like we're just discussing at the beginning of this, not necessarily a dig on Big Mouth. It's just not something that I personally have felt compelled to continue. It's not bad. It's just, where am I going to spend my time? And it's going to be with... Steven Universe instead of Big Mouth. Sorry. I maybe should have made that choice. I've watched all the episodes of Big Mouth. It's a it was a folding laundry at nine PM kind of kind of deal. That sounds like a good reason to watch Big Mouth. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> now now everyone knows what I do. I'm like, yes, I fold my laundry at around nine at nine PM. And you uh, watch Big Mouth. And I watch Big Mouth. Or something else that Jack will not be able to watch. Exactly. It's my it's my time to watch things that Jack can't watch. And should I don't want to say should never watch, but <laughs> not for a very, very long time. Yeah, not currently. Yeah, exactly. I get what you're saying. Um, so. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so the Planned Parenthood show. Um, you having just returned to the world of Big Mouth. Um, what were some of your thoughts viewing this and what was working, what was going on? Well, clearly the plot and characters have advanced because I don't remember some of these people or monsters. Um, <laughs> good for them. They don't need to catch me up. That's fine. Yeah, um, there, there, there are two puberty, puberty monsters. It still I, feels I like a limiting of the gender spectrum, but okay, puberty monsters. Pick your battles. Um, <laughs> I thought this delivered exactly what the premise of Big Mouth and previous Nick Kroll things promised. Actually, I do like watching clips of the Nick Kroll show off YouTube or wherever I find them. 
which that's a show I'd never watch, but it was just Nick Kroll having a sketch comedy show, which is basically Big Mouth. Um, it's the Nick Kroll show, but animated. That's <laughs> just what it is. Um, so you know what you're going into if you're familiar with Nick Kroll, and uh, we get that. It is a This episode is a variety show of different sketches and parodies uh, explaining why Planned Parenthood as a service is uh, unique and useful beyond all the stereotypes people might associate with it. While also sometimes leaning into stereotype to, I don't know, show the ridiculousness of the stereotype? I'm not exactly sure. Yes? Question mark? I I really wanted my wife to watch this episode with me. Um, and she she was not totally invested in it. You know, when I started it, I was like, I'm going to watch this um, for my homework. And Do you just she, casually um, trap her into watching an episode with you? <laughs> yeah, she was on the couch reading something on her phone. I can't remember exactly what she was reading. Probably some, I don't, I don't know, some article about something. That's what she does. She reads articles and then tells me about them. And Sounds like NPR. I know. <laughs> Basically, my wife is NPR. I'm married to NPR. Um, today's news, we had... Um, anyway, so we were watching the show, and mostly I wanted to get her reaction because I know the things that made me laugh, and I was unsure what would make a a very how can i describe my wife a um she has a crazy sense of humor simpsons loving queen loving futurama loving feminist um who like listens to podcasts about female empowerment and doing better in the workplace and intersectionality and uh, I wanted to hear her reaction to this, and she laughed a lot. She laughed a lot, which is to say that um, you could tell that it was not a group of the normal, um, what I assume to be frat guys writing shows, like dirty shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I think credit for that, because we are a podcast about writing, let's talk about the writers of these nominations. Uh, written by Emily Altman, whose work I didn't string together as a series of uh, home runs before that I loved, but uh, she wrote stuff for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and the Amy Schumer show, um, kind of things in that vein. This feels like a lot of this falls into that same vein of like empowering humor that also makes fun of the ridiculousness of the status quo. Yes. Which I totally appreciated. And I think that's what goes very well. And I think also when it's ridiculous and takes it to it's a takes it to the nice absurdity level, I think is when it works. So when you end up with in one of them uh, I think some it's the Star Trek one. They have guns that are shaped like penises. Mm-hmm. And then once they calm down, the guns start going 
limp. And you're like, oh, well, that's an interesting, fun, absurd detail that, of course, if they were um, penis guns, that would be the effect. Yeah, that's the obvious endpoint there. And then, you know, what would happen if we showed every single form of contraception in an anthropomorphized um, what am I trying to say? What if we were trying to show them in, in walking around and what would they say? What would they be like? And it was a really ridiculous segment on there. I, I did find that segment to be my personal favorite just because it was so... I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Real? Yeah. It's like, here's an education in an approachable way to teach you what the right choices are. But ultimately, the main character of the sketch is still going to make the worst choice because that's what people choose in that instance when they're young. Even when you give them all the right knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is depressingly funny. <laughs> and then there was also the the other part that was depressingly not funny, but where there was the actual abortion scene which was for the show itself out of, not out of the world, but out of character for it. Mm -hmm. And it seemed slightly out of place, but in a very good way. It was here, this, let's take this seriously for two minutes and, and show an abortion and show that it's not an end. And yeah. let's give this character a struggle. Yeah. And actually see a character that usually ends up being um, the butt of some jokes and a side character without really much going on. So it was, that was a really striking moment. And I think if it was just that, I think it was still got nominated yeah. <laughs> personally. So strength so far, um, variety of things, uh, a emotional highs and lows, uh, character dev background, maybe not development, character background. Right. Telling a good story in an interesting way. Yeah. Because there was no dialogue in that, and it was all done with the acting of the characters. So it was really, that it was a really striking moment. Mm -hmm. Really striking, striking segment. I can find that. Which sounds like something one of the anthropomorphized contraception methods might say. <laughs> I can get behind that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to Bob's Burgers? Let's. Okay. So Bob's Burgers, just one of the boys for now, for now. Um, I have watched a total of one episode of Bob's Burgers. Hmm. No, no, two. I've seen two. This being the second. How how versed are you in Bob's Burgers? I have actually seen, I think, every Bob's Burgers episode, um, for the most part, exactly once. It's the show for me that isn't bad. It's never bad. It's never, ever bad. It's also rarely memorably great for me. Hmm. If that makes sense. 
it's a solid choice. Like I can watch it. I can watch every episode. It's not declining over time with seasons. It's not improving with seasons. It's just always going to be a good, solid episode. And occasionally they have really, really good ones like this one. It's like picking through the first three seasons of The Office or something. I know I'm going to be fine. That's not a... uh, See, I've seen none of The Office, so I can't relate to that. (laughs) All right. Fine. I'm just talking about like something that someone else who listens to the show might get behind. That's fair. You know, talk about something not animated on this animated podcast. (gasps) Get them to relate. How dare you? Um, (laughs) So... I, I know the characters because somehow they're still out there in the the zeitgeist. So I know Tina and Bob mm-hmm. and the mom character. And I think that's about it. That's all I really knew coming into it. And I knew there was like an Archer crossover-ish kind of thing. Um, I think in an episode of Archer one season begins and it turns out Archer was like faked his death and working in a burger shop. Cause it's H John Benjamin who voices both Archer and Bob. And like the voice is not very different between them. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's, it's that's not really it's, a crossover more. Just everyone from Bob's burgers gets finally murdered in the opening of one Archer season. <laughs> like Archer does. Uh, so this, this particular episode, you said it was a pretty great episode of Bob's burgers. What makes it, what takes a I enjoyed it episode of Bob's Burgers to the next level for you? So Bob's Burgers, it, much like The Simpsons in many respects, uh, doesn't really build on its characters over time. They are Commedia dell'arte. Like this is this person. This is Linda. And she's going to be Linda in every episode. She's not going to have like a turning point as a character that fundamentally changes who she is. Mm. Neither is Luis or Tina or Jean or Bob. None of them are going to have this. This is here's some zany characters, put them in situations, see what happens. Um, And this one starts to get a little meta about that kind of acknowledges that there is a history to the show Um, because Tina meets a boy and says, I found the one it's love at first sight. And it says like, yeah, you do this all the time. And she gets very angry. (laughs) She's like, no, this is real. This is the boy that I'm really going to marry. And this does indeed, this is a common plot for Tita. Um, Because what what else do you do with that character? (laughs) You know, it's like Lisa. She's 10 years old, but you have to make her fall in love with somebody. Like, what else are you going to do with them? Yeah, everybody falls in love. Sometimes once a season. Goes the argument. Yeah. Not me. That's that's a thought that's out there. I'm not saying that. The girl character likes boys. That's her personality. Obviously. Um, and I think Bob's Burgers does take that stereotype about, like, the girl character, air quotes, and does make it more empowering and enjoyable in Tina than shows of the past. Tina's like mm. a character from the 50s, but with today's sensibility. And this episode, what I really like about it is it does have, like, five or six songs dedicated to different boys that she meets and falls in love with. Oh, the, those songs are great. <laughs> I, 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 I'm looking forward to actually watching that episode again, just yeah. to hear the songs again. I like was going through the nominations like, oh yeah, that did get nominated. Yes. I'm glad I get to watch it a second time. <laughs> so props to writers, Lizzie and Wendy Molyneux and, uh, 
this feature soon to have the uh, the release of their movie, the next movie in the Disney animated feature list. <laughs> what? It's a Bob's Burgers movie coming, and Fox bought the studio that makes Bob's Burgers, and Disney bought Fox, so Bob's Burgers is a Disney property, including the animated Bob's Burgers movie. His, I won't say the Disney animated canon, but it is a Disney animated movie. Okay. Does this make Louise a princess? No, Jean would be the princess. So, for me, not having had a huge history of Bob's Burgers, I think what you were saying about um, character and character types and landing in that is exactly why somebody who hasn't watched very much can jump in and get this show. It feels very, on one hand, um, classic sitcom-y or sitcom-ish, maybe that sounds better, sitcom-ish, yet at the same time, doing something that's that's outside of that. So you usually have in a sitcom, hey, we're doing something, this is the B plot, you know, and we're doing something that we shouldn't, somebody's gonna get caught, we're gonna have to hide it from them, we're gonna have to, you know, you have that as a B plot with this baby rat. <laughs> yeah. Which is, like, I don't understand what's happening or why it's happening, but I, I'm totally buying this whole subplot. Um, but then the, the A plot just, I'm in love with this boy and I'm going to go to this place where I can't show myself. So I'm going to dress up as a boy and make my way to find him. And we're going to have a future together or be together, or I'm going to prove something to my family. feels very classic sitcom situation. Girl dresses as boy. I mean, it's also Shakespeare, you know, girl dresses as boy. Classic sitcom. Exactly. So, (laughs) but it it feels, it didn't, to me, until you were talking about that, I didn't feel that it was out of place or doing something that was done before because it felt fresh and character driven. Like it felt like the character of Tina making a decision to prove something for herself. And then I did enjoy her realization and her acceptance at the end, which is one of the strongest thing, which is, yeah, that's who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. It's, I agree. It's a very strong decision. So. Because number one, they're not going to have fundamental character growth where Tina suddenly decides like, I'm not about boys anymore. Um, that's just not Bob's Burgers. Right. Number two, it's just a more satisfying conclusion for Tina as a character to come to based on who she is and her history mm-hmm. and the six songs about boys that she sang during this episode. And, and I just kept watching the credits because it plays the final song about, you know, the right number of boys for me yeah. is four or five. And then they Six, kept doing the rhyme. Eight, more. 
And the other satisfying part about that credit scene is all the extra boys I put in there are past boys she's fallen in love with in other episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well done. Zombie basketball team is a real boy that she's fantasized about. Oh. Well, oh, that just... Hmm. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yep. Chef's kiss to all. Chef's kiss dot gif. Um, <laughs> okay, well, odd something so lighthearted and character-driven. Should we move to something dark and character-driven? Oh, if we must. I mean, I want to, but yes, also if we must. Bojack Horseman, oh. free churro. Oh. This episode makes me depressed, but like in a good way? I, when I start, I was curious. I was like, wait, is this? And then I started watching it. It was like, oh, it is. <laughs> it is this episode. Um, it's all Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. It's all Will Arnett. He's the only voice that you hear. Um, Which is genius. The, it is genius. In the cold opening, you get. Will Arnett as Bojack Horseman's father, Butterscotch Horseman, which the name does take a little bit of the edge off. But, um, and then throughout the whole episode is one place, one scene. If you take it's um, the unity of time, (laughs) unity of space, it all, it just develops over 26 minutes. Same thing with the the cold opening. It's just one long scene from there. There are no cuts away from anything. I'm not saying it's a one uh, a single long take, but it's one scene that happens in real time. The time that it takes in the scene is the time that it takes with us to watch it. It's very theatrical. It's very tightly written, um, as most Bojack normally is. It's. I know it doesn't sound like a selling point to say, like, it's just Will Arnett talking for 26 minutes, um, but you will I, I never like lose interest. Is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, there's enough change dynamically of emotion and understanding, and it's the character working through something. He hasn't planned to sit, stand up there and talk for 20 yeah. minutes. This isn't something that he planned. All he wanted to do was say his piece to his mother who died. Um, And man, I don't. It's like a bottle episode inside a bottle episode inside an emotional bottle. I would, I mean, I remember the first time watching it. It's like, wait, is this whole thing this? And I think once I got out of the, wait, this is the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's this. Um, I think I had to watch it a second time the next day because I was so distracted by my uh, <laughs> my distrust of the whole thing. I was like, I, I want to watch it again because I want to see what's going on and how it flows and how it moves. And it's so engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, not- you'll never everything flows so well and everything is so interesting on its own. It could all be a moment 
I kept trying to think of like my favorite thing from this episode, but each there's so many like nice reveals within just Will Arnett talking nonstop. Yeah. And there were a few things that I noticed structure wise the third time, because the first time it's just washing over you, you know, you're just experiencing it. And this third time I was like, Oh wait, it's, they give you the answer in the very first moment where, um, Butterscotch Horseman arrives to pick up Bojack. You know, Bojack's alone after soccer practice, waiting for somebody to pick him up. And he's waving. He sees his dad. He starts waving. His dad says, yeah, yeah, I see you. Mm -hmm. I see you. Like, oh, he's noticed. Like, that's what it's all about. Somebody sees him and notices him. And then at the very end of the episode, when we realize, you know, there's a joke to give it a laugh because you've just been through a lot emotionally with Bojack that he's in the wrong room because of course he's in the wrong room because he looks up and sees who's there for the very first time. I disagree. I think that that's, it's before that because I had to rewatch the end. It's he, the very last thing is he wants to say like, I see you to his mom. And so he goes and he opens up the casket and he looks in the casket Right. You don't get to see inside, but he unfolds a piece of paper and then looks up to the room full of lizard people (laughs) to see them. But that's what I'm saying is it ends with him finally seeing people who have been in front of him for 20 minutes. Like that's that's the thing. He finally sees these people for the first time Mm -hmm. and he's been talking at them, not Mm -hmm. to them, but at them for 20 minutes. This, I mean, we're going to talk about two more, but I think that this particular nomination is the tightest plotted, probably Raphael Bob Waksberg poured over the script. Who knows how many times, like make sure it was as tight as possible to produce the best and most interesting thing. And I think that this is the kind of writing that you don't see in animation. Not that like people don't pay attention, but this particular style, this particular moment and monologue and how it's done and delivered, you don't see an animation. This has never been done before. Right. And it's, it's amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. And somehow, if, oh, go ahead. You no, know, you were just going to say. And somehow. somehow this is the first nomination for an Emmy for BoJack Horseman. Right. What? Come it on. took five seasons to acknowledge that Bojack exists? Come on. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so let's move away from remembering that episode. and Deep breath. Yoga. Come into the end of the world at Adventure Time. Lighthearted and so fun. All the way to the end of Adventure Time which one day I will watch the show end to end. Today is not that day. <laughs> how, how much, since this is our thing about us as, you know, people on this podcast revealing how much we've watched of certain shows, how much Adventure Time have you watched? I think we talked about the end of Adventure Time at some point previously, didn't we? Or we talked about some other Adventure Time episode or something happened. We talked about the episode, I Remember You, when we were talking about yeah. 
really emotional episodes of things. And whether or not it affects you as someone who hasn't followed the show. Right. Because um, I think that was my yeah. first episode of Adventure Time. I have seen a smattering of Adventure Time episodes. Um, and I think, I, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I, I thought I had watched this entire one. I think I just watched maybe the very last segment, not the whole miniseries, uh, because trying to read the snops to prepare myself for this recording, um, <laughs> a lot of it did not sound familiar. I'm like, oh, okay, here. Um, and having realized I didn't watch this in actuality before this recording, I can't really pass judgment on the first few shorts. Uh, but reading the synopsis of the first few shorts, which sound like the culmination of a lot of plot and a lot of things happening, um, even if I'd seen it and not the rest of the show, I don't think I would have connected with it. But that's not the fault of Adventure Time. That's the fault of me for not watching Adventure Time. <laughs> However, I do think the final bit, even without knowing the show, the final gulb thing in the musical montage at the end that is effective and affecting even if you haven't seen adventure time i wholeheartedly agree mm -hmm. so it's the best of both worlds yes i really think that it's the the bookend of the new characters beth and shermy that really helps it become a sh an episode where if you were sitting down with your friends who had never seen it before, um, if, wait, let's say you had never seen it before and you sat down with your friends to watch this episode, in a weird way, it's a really good introductory episode mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's just the story from the world and you don't have to know all the rules and everything, but you get an idea of what's going on. It's a lot like to throw in another not animated thing. The episode of Doctor Who that you use to introduce people to Doctor Who is Blink. You take that episode because it explains a little bit of what's going on and you don't have to know everything, but you kind of get the idea for the feeling of the world. Yeah, so, I can agree so with if, that. So if you're a Doctor Who fan, you're like, what episode do I show my friends? It's always Blink. Just show them Blink. So Maybe don't yeah. lead with uh, the finale of Adventure Time if you're trying to get people exposed. But find something that has the same feeling at Adventure Time in an earlier season. Yeah, yeah. The season, <laughs> the series finale, it's <laughs> probably not a good place. Like, here you go. It's like, well, why am I going to watch it? I know what happens. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I think the strength of it is that it feels epic. I'm just trying to find the right word, and I think epic is the right word. It's just epic and dangerous, but not in a usual way of, oh my gosh, we have to save the world kind of way. It feels epic, but intimate. And that gold thing is scary. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't have nightmares last night. <laughs> I think because it resolves it in such a satisfying, happy way, not just like a we killed the villain kind of way. It's just it's an emotional yeah. and plot wrap up simultaneously. Yeah, that's true. It's not about killing the villain. It's not about getting rid of the villain. 
I also thought it was interesting the um, being digested. So I'm going back to an earlier form of myself mm-hmm. be, as I'm being digested. I thought that was an interesting way to return to yourself after all the removing all the change and magic from from you down to your core level. Which I think we had remembered. The only reason I remembered that was because we saw I remember you from mm. before. So it's like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> this is a thing. Yes. It's almost as if a lot of writers labored in love to produce a satisfying end that called back to multiple plots and emotional ideas from throughout the 10 year history of a show. Hmm. Is that what happened? What? <laughs> no, it was it was really epic. And for me, I it makes me want to watch more Adventure Time. Like I was never I don't know what it was about it that I never really got into it. I think it may have been like a timing thing. I was into other things at the time. Mm. Ten years ago. I don't know. I was a much different place ten years ago. But yeah, now I think it would be something that I want to go back through. Yeah, I'll hit it at some point. I do remember being, man, in college when like the first pilot episode short dropped. And I think it was like a Cartoon Network funded project at the time that Nickelodeon picked up later or something. And we just watched that like 10 times. And for some reason, when it actually became a show a few years later, I didn't pick it up. But uh, that first pilot episode, I've seen more times than I can remember but more than a decade ago. <laughs> oh, well. Final topic? Final one. And it's it's fitting, I suppose, that we should talk about an episode of The Simpsons. As we always do. As, as we usually do once a year. That's underselling it. <laughs> That's true. Some... Okay. So this is the first time that we'll discuss The Simpsons this season of our show. <laughs> um, season 30, because they're on that far. Episode 11, Mad About the Toy. Uh, this one's written by Michael Price, who's a veteran Simpsons writer and has also worked on a lot of like, the Lego Star Wars stuff. This particular Simpsons episode for me feels like a spiritual sequel to Homer's phobia. Yeah, I agree to that. Yeah. Which, which is way back, I can't remember what season that is. Early, early, early. It's like 1992, which was the first time The Simpsons addressed people on the LGBTQ spectrum of any kind. Season uh, eight. Oh, God, it was that late? So late 90s, sometime around then. 97. 97. Um. And when you rewatch it now, it's still entertaining if you like The Simpsons, but it starts to feel a little bit like a time capsule of the 90s and how to address people being confronted with people unlike themselves in the 90s. Um, (laughs) And this one feels more like a modern version of that. And I'm sure that Mad About the Toy will start to feel dated in a long time as well. But uh, for right now, it feels like a... An interesting story, and I'm glad it was told. As the resident queer person of this podcast. (laughs) I 
was surprised. It's been a while since I've watched a new episode of The Simpsons. I think we're about a season and a half behind, um, which feels hard for me to admit and say <laughs> out loud. We've just been watching a lot of stuff. Having a, having a kid really takes away your time to watch The Simpsons. And he's not quite old enough where <laughs> I could be like, just watch The Simpsons with us. So um, anyway, that being said, the same thing with Bob's Burgers, because you end up with types and it's not characters advancing. It's the same characters you got when you watch the show five years ago or 10 years ago to a certain extent. You're not going to change their cores. You may change what's happened to them, but you're not changing the core of who they are. Um, it was really easy to jump back in. And it's a classic scenario of Homer and Marge need a babysitter and they get grandpa to do it. Now it's more modernized because they were going to leave them with an Alexa <laughs> device, which, which is pretty funny. But so that's advanced, but getting grandpa and then something going on and revealing a, a hidden truth mm. and the, Oh, there's a surprising thing about grandpa that we didn't know about and going back in the past to experience that. Um, I feel like sometimes the character, um, the character growth usually happens with stuff in the past that wasn't shown because that's stuff that's out of the quote canon, you know, you can dig through things that haven't been represented before. And I think because they do that, sometimes they can find a really interesting thing to say and surprise you with something different about a character. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes Abraham Simpson more interesting, personally. Yeah, there's a lot of... Because you can dismiss him as the crazy old coot who yells at clouds, but he had a rich life before he had a family, too. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he's a coot. Right. And I appreciate the fact that it's not answered that, oh, Grandpa Simpson is is gay. You know, that's not the answer. They didn't turn him into something. They didn't convert him or change the character. They just said, you know, there's something about this character that he's able to admit, and he's maybe not actually gay maybe he's bisexual he's just on a spectrum but I, that wasn't even my takeaway i i don't think yeah. that he is i think that he was just a set up as a straight man who had an uncomfortable experience with a queer person and, and then wanted signals. to apologize yeah and it, that made him very uncomfortable a long time ago and he hung on to that and as the world has moved on he's felt like he didn't move on hmm. that's my reading but also what i really appreciate about this episode is that it shows a queer story in the past. And something that I've come to realize over time is that a lot of the people who are vote against queer people in one way or another don't realize that this is a thing that's been around for forever because our stories have been erased and like they, we don't portray stories in the past in the mainstream and culture 
Uh, people think just, just this started in the 90s. People have been fighting for this very long. You got your rights in no time. Um, and I've encountered a lot of people just aren't aware that there was Stonewall in a history and that anyone born can be queer at any time in history. So I appreciate the Simpsons taking this on to show a story in the past and put that in the mainstream culture. Hmm. That I think is really interesting and groundbreaking at the same level as Big Mouth doing a whole episode about Planned Parenthood. Do I think that this episode of The Simpsons is particularly notable given the history of notable Simpsons episodes? Does it stand among them? Probably not. But I like the idea of what they went for. And it was it was well done for what it was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I saw it. It was memorable. I appreciated what it did. Maybe it'll make a difference to uh, someone younger who's a current fan of The Simpsons, if that exists anymore. Or someone older. Is it just millennials who watch The Simpsons now? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody is still watching The Simpsons. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) So those are some of the things that we pulled out of those episodes. Again, I I think we would both say... Go watch these episodes. Yeah, they're right? all five great examples of good writing and good execution animation. So do we want to say our predictions for who we think may be coming away with this award? Yeah. I don't know why I said it in this that way. Award. Um, I think both of us have the same answer, so I don't know. Oh, do we? I don't think we do. I'm sure. Okay, you don't think we do? Mm-mm. Oh. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because you're predicting on what you think will actually happen, and I'm voting with my heart? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to count to three, and we'll say it at the same time. Um, ready? Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Bojack. Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Bob's Burgers? Yeah. I think Bojack is my personal favorite and I know I talked about how tightly written it was and it certainly would deserve a win if it gets it but I also feel like the Bob's Burgers episode is also deserving of a win Um, and given that Bojack just now got his first nomination I think that maybe the voting audience is more attached to Bob's Burgers Hmm. so I think personally that they might get it Listener, you'll find out in a week. Um, but Bojack is also great. And in my head, I have this fan fiction of the Bojack Horseman writer's room where they don't win and they all go out and get churros for free. Um, and I really want that to happen for that writer's room. Okay. Well. Just everyone get free churros for losing an Emmy. If no one ever tells you that that's what happens. Yeah. When you don't win an Emmy. They're going to go to the Jack in the Box and get those features. <laughs> well, did you have a favorite thing from uh, the episodes that we watched? I did. Um, I had favorite things from each of these five, so it's hard to narrow it down. But the one that's stuck in my like meme brain and has been around in my daily life saying things is Maya Rudolph as the female hormone monster from Big Mouth shouting, Chewbacca sound! Um, that's real. 
I like it. I say that around town now. If you're wandering the streets of San Francisco at night and hear a distant Chewbacca sound, it might be me. Wow. What was your favorite thing, Chris? Mine is just the throwaway joke of from the end of Bojack. Is this funeral parlor B? Like the fact that he has to ask, like, you're obviously in the wrong place. The fact that he has to vocalize, like, and hit it over the head, like, is this funeral parlor B? And then cut to the to the end theme, played by organ. You know I love Bathos, and that might be the best example of Bathos yet <laughs> produced in the history of animation. Here's a whole episode of Will Arnett saying depressing things for 26 minutes. And it turns out he wasn't even saying it to the right people. <laughs> oh, goodness. So good. Mm-hmm. Well, should we discuss homework time? Let's. For next time, uh, after the Emmys have aired, please watch the 2019 Emmy-nominated animated short-form contestants. Um, We are recording our next episode before the Emmys air, so we're still not going to know who wins. We'll be talking about it with fresh, wide eyes, and you can sit there with your headphones in, laughing at us the entire time, knowing who wins. And that'll be your pleasure and ours (laughs) afterward. Um, So please watch all five of those. Uh, as a refresher, if you don't find those on the internet, uh, it's the Robot Chicken episode, Why Is It Wet, SpongeBob SquarePants, Plankton Paranoia, Steven Universe Reunited, and Teen Titans Go, Nostalgia is Not a Substitute for an Actual Story. And The Witness, which is part of the Love, Death, and Robots anthology from Netflix. Oh, yeah, thank you. I was like, I think that's only four. Um, Watch all five of those. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Cortino for our sound engineering and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can uh, find us on the web on Twitter at WG Animated and at writersgetanimated.podbean.com for all of our show notes. And if you are in or know anyone in the Bojack Horseman writers room and they do indeed lose the Emmy, let them know that I will pay for churros if they want them. Um, and I know you probably don't listen to this podcast, so (laughs) you just lost free churros. Good night, everybody.